What is up, everybody? Welcome to the inaugural episode of Deconstructing. I am one of your hosts. My name is Curtis Cooper. I am so happy to be with you. And joining me is my co-host for the rest of the way, Delaney Harris. Hey. And joining us today for our very special inaugural episode, we have two guests. The first is my very own cousin and someone who does another podcast with me that I'm sure we'll plug at the end, Bradley Cooper. How's it going? And finally, we have a special friend of mine from high school, Abby Faree. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks. Happy to be here. And we have a very special seasonal topic for you all today. Now, we have actually recorded previous episodes before, but this will be the first one we're posting because I didn't want to post a Halloween episode way after Halloween. That doesn't make any sense. Nope. Gotta so, be timely. Exactly. So we're talking Halloween today. And the subject is, is Halloween Satan's holiday? Ooh. Bam. That, that'll get all the Christian <laughs> mom clicks. And I'm sure we'll make plenty of them upset. <laughs> so just starting off with, and we'll go in the order that I introduced everybody in. So, um, I want everybody to tell me about their just personal relationship with Halloween, the holiday. And Del, if you want to go first, I'll go last. Okay. You said my personal experience? Yeah. Like your, your personal journey slash experience with Halloween and like how you grew up with it. So I started doing Halloween when I was, I think, 12. And it wasn't because like we had anything against it. It was just that my dad was in the service, and so he was gone often during the holiday, and we would just not celebrate when he wasn't around. Gotcha. When I was 12, we started doing Halloween. My first year, I went as a cheerleader, and then um, I think I've gone every year since then. So that's that's pretty much it. Just, you know, the typical in-costume trick-or-treating, going to the Halloween festivals and fall festivals kind of stuff. How are your parents with Halloween? Because I know that you grew up, like, Seventh-day Adventist evangelical style somewhat yeah so my dad was a Seventh-day Adventist growing up um and he I don't know actually how he felt about it I never really asked him he wasn't around a lot but um my brother does not celebrate it I don't think my mother she does now she wasn't a huge fan when I was a kid but I think it just creeped her out because of our family history but um yeah I don't think she which we will get into later we'll get into yeah she she's been going with me the past like four or five years in costume to like festivals and stuff oh that's nice yeah it's been fun Brad how about you so I was raised Seventh-day Adventist as well but at the church I went to which Curtis went to as well back in the day same um, church fam yep so <laughs> They really didn't like Halloween at that church, even though they never specifically banned it. And my parents, they let me go trick-or-treating. So I was allowed to have like the little kid experience with Halloween. We never did anything like spooky. Like we never put up any like skeletons or any haunted houses or anything. It was where my parents were like, well, I mean, you can celebrate the less, the not so spooky elements of it. But it was always my favorite. Yeah, it was always my favorite You can't celebrate the satanic up. stuff. Yeah, and it still is my favorite holiday. Like, and as I'll, I'll talk more about sort of the history of it later and what I found out about it, but I really like it just for both the beginning of fall because fall is a nice time. It's chill. There's a lot more better food out there, a lot more better drinks, 
and also we're just all sort nodding of, our uh, heads yeah and <laughs> not the spooky aspect of it but also sort of the thinking about the afterlife aspect of it i find interesting mm. but i'll talk more oh. about that later yeah i want to hear more about that that's really interesting yeah yeah okay Okay, so Abby, you're a little different from the rest of us because you yeah. weren't you weren't raised Seventh Day Adventist. So. I was not raised Seventh Day Adventist. How dare you? First of I, all, I, 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 you should be very offended. I am so sorry. I didn't have that upbringing. I did grow up very Christian. Um, my parents would consider themselves non-denominational, but they also my dad grew up very Methodist. Oh, um, and so there was still a lot of that like guilt and shame and like all of that good stuff that you get from some of those Christian denominations. Yep. Um, during Halloween, when we were younger, um, we absolutely like did not celebrate, like didn't talk about it. We would lock our house. We would go to Cracker Barrel for some reason. Turn off all the lights. Turn off everything so that mm. no kids would come to the door. We would <laughs> go to Cracker Barrel to like, just get away from it. I don't know why that was it. Yeah, we went to every year for Halloween every year. <laughs> All right, just okay. To, to avoid it as a holiday. Huh. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. that sounds like my that sounds like my wife's family. They just would lock themselves in the basement. They were too cheap to go to Cracker Barrel. They would say just lock themselves in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those weird things, I guess. But um, Curtis and I did go to the same high school that had a lot of feelings about saw Wayne and we would get a lecture about it every year my sister actually got in trouble in elementary school for bringing a pumpkin cookie that had a face on it how dare she because that was <laughs> just like too aggressive into the Halloween <laughs> spirit and like um that was really funny that the principal was so upset about a, a cookie like that so I didn't get to celebrate Halloween until I was 14 I was out in Santa Claus, Indiana with my cousin outside of Holiday World and they had like trick or treating. So I got to be a cowgirl Aww, and nice. I felt really rebellious, just like <laughs> even dressing up for the holiday. Um, so that was how I was raised with Halloween. Lots of lectures about why it is Satan's holiday. And then through my deconstruction journey, I became a little bit more of a witch, like learning that a lot of the things that they taught us about the world that were demonic or um, satanic were really just things that gave women power. Ooh, and um, interesting. there is a lot that I have learned from like people who consider themselves witches about how Samhain is just the time of year where the veil is the thinnest between our world and the afterlife. And so I was able to start celebrating Halloween in my own way and saw Wayne and flash forward to 2019 as a grown adult in Chicago, I got to do like rituals with a group of women outside while the veil was the thinnest and set intentions around a log that had candles on it. And it was one of the witchiest, like should have been spookiest things, but it just felt really powerful to be surrounded by all of these women setting intentions when the veil was the thinnest. And so definitely like a total 180 from the way that we were told it was supposed to be. Cause it's supposed to be the scary thing. And it's like, well, actually it's just when we have power and connection to an afterlife and Christians are scared of that because we're all supposed to think what they do about the afterlife. So that's my long version. <laughs> 
of my history with Halloween. Wow, that is so much edgier than anything <laughs> that, that I've done. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sound pretty lame by comparison. Um, so much like Brad, like going to church, I um, was all, I always thought of Halloween in kind of like a negative light. Um, and as Brad said, like me and him kind of had similar childhood experiences with Halloween. We even went trick-or-treating a couple times together. And yep. th- that's, those are definitely some of my favorite Halloween memories. Cause I love you, Brad. No, what I love was your you favorite too. costume? Um, I think my favorite costume was one year when I went as an astronaut and uh brad i think you went as mario that year yeah yeah my mom made me a little mario hat and put the little m on it and she like used marker on my face to give me a mustache i was like (laughs) (laughs) that is so excellent yeah um and uh so as i as i got older it's actually wasn't necessarily like anything my parents did that caused me to like start believing it was like overtly like satanic like i mean sure like my parents aren't like the biggest fans of halloween um but it was actually an experience I had in fifth grade with a teacher who shall remain nameless because I'm pretty sure Dell knows them (laughs) and uh, I'll tell you I'll tell you after we stop recording who it was um but this teacher in fifth grade gave us the whole spiel about how like people on Halloween like do all these like evil things and like hide like razors and candy and stuff and we've all heard that (laughs) at some point But that absolutely like shocked the heck out of me. And uh, I was like, well, guess I'm never celebrating Halloween again. That's terrifying. We are closing all of our doors and turning off all the lights. And my mom didn't discourage that. So that's what we did. Wow. (laughs) Hiding razors and candy just sounds so impractical. I I know, right? It's like, oh, go ahead, though. I'm so sorry. I remember in college, I had a Halloween party. And you and our other evangelical friend were like, like kind of like whispering to me on campus, like, well, like, is there gonna be any like scary stuff there? And I was like, <laughs> we're gonna call, dress up as like bunnies and fun little cute things. <laughs> like, no, it'll be fine. Do you remember what year this was? I think it was 27, 16, it was 2016. Yep, I was definitely still pretty conservative at that point. <laughs> yes, yep, definitely. Yeah, I think I went as Princess Buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh that's awesome yeah it was fun okay so now now that the the good listeners have an idea of like where we're all coming from I kind of want to dig in a little bit to like Halloween and like the history of it itself and kind of like get the conversation going from there so Brad would you like to start us off with some facts sure so I'm gonna try to keep this as short as I can but there's a lot of information so <laughs> Let's go. We're ready. Is is a combination of a lot of different holidays, and the first one that a lot of people know about is Samhain. So this was an old Celtic festival, which that literally just means summer's end in Irish, and it typically took place on either October thirty first, November the first, and it's one of four of the Gaelic seasonal festivals. Now we think it's pretty old because we found some tombs from about 5,000 years ago that are aligned with the sunrise. But basically, we, all we know about it comes mainly from this 10th century manuscript by the time Ireland was already Christian. And they would say people would gather around bonfires on hills, and they did that because they believed that spirits from the realms of the gods and the dead could easily cross over, and they would wear like masks around that. Yeah, and you would wear masks around that bonfire so no ghost would recognize them. And they also wanted to try to avoid fairies because 
fairies would play a lot of tricks around how saw sawween. That was the idea. So there was this book called oh, this book of invasions written in the 10th century said on this holiday, people would have to give two thirds of their children, their corn and their milk to the Fomorians who were forces of nature. Now, two thirds of their this, children. That's the, it's kind of confusing. I'm guessing like if you got three, you got to give two others, however, claim your firstborn child would be sacrificed. So it's kind of hard to say. And like I, and it's very difficult to ascertain much. Some have claimed there may have been no supernatural rites in ancient times at Sawin, but basically people would just gather together, tell stories, and think about the dead. But here's the thing. This holiday did continue on in Irish history, and during the 18th and 19th century, people in Celtic areas, so Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and this is way after the, all the you know pagan stuff, if we want to use that term. So they would use practices like people would run around or dress in cowhide, and they would actually burn a little bit of the cow hide so that everyone could breathe in the smoke and ward off bad luck, which I find kind of nice. funny. Other practices involved bobbing for apples. And then in the 16th century, people would go from house to house in costume and they would cite songs or Bible verses for food. Now, some people believe this might have been part of an early tradition where people would dress up as the dead to get offerings on behalf. And there were also little turnip candles people would have to ward off evil spirits. And these are the earliest jack-o'-lanterns. Now, that being said, there's a lot of debate about what Sawin was actually about. It could be just a season of change. It could be supernatural encounters. But we really don't know. And unfortunately, we also don't know the exact date of Sawin either. We know in like the later period, they say it was October 31st. But we don't really know what the earliest date was. So, transitioning from that to All Saints Day, the Christian side of things. So, <laughs> the, the Catholic actual, side of things. Yeah, yeah. So, the actual name for Halloween has nothing to do with demons, interestingly enough, but is All Hallows Eve, the day before All Hallows Day. And All Hallows Day is the day before All Saints Day. So, this is part of a big celebration called All Hollow Tide. So, all Saints Day came first, and it was originally started about the 300s as a day to celebrate martyrs who had died under emperors who had, you know, killed them. And some Syrian churches start celebrating this during the Easter week or right after it. And Greek churches actually still celebrate it today on May 13 because they want to celebrate around springtime. But eventually people move it to November the 1st. And Pope Gregory III, who reigned in about the 700s, he changed it to that day. So there's, this is where the conspiracy theories start. The popular, you know, Christian mom one, like you mentioned, is that, well, they picked that day because they want it to be around Sam Sawin and Christianize all these practices. But the actual idea probably is that when people came to Rome during the spring, there was something known as the Roman fever, which spread during the heat and a lot of people died. So they thought, well, if we move it to the fall, maybe less people will get sick when it's not so hot outside. And we also see that the Germans also had a celebration around the fall as well. So that's kind of when they moved it to. But what is All Saints Day about? So it was the time to celebrate the spiritual bond between those who had died and in heaven, known as the church triumphant in Catholic theology, and the living, the church militant. It's celebrated in the Catholic Church, Eastern Orthodox, as well as in Lutheran, Methodist, and Anglican churches. 
Now, the celebration itself varies. In many countries, just in Europe, people go and visit the cemetery, light candles, and leave flowers on the grave. And the Philippines, people have a big day, will get together and clean their relatives' graves and tombs and have just big feasts and big celebrations. So now, All Souls Day, which is on November the 1st, that was about the souls in purgatory. So for those who don't know, purgatory is supposedly the space between heaven and hell where people sort of wander for a bit. And during on All Souls Day, some people would gotta bake soul cakes and either leave it on the graves or give it to the poor. And soul cakes were often marked with a cross. Christians would also light candles, which were meant to light, be a light for souls in darkness. This sounds similar to like the Mexican Day of the Dead. Yes, yes. And that's the Mexican Day of the Dead is a mixture of this and some Aztec traditions. Mm, gotcha. so, but when we get to actual Halloween itself, because we got Halloween, All Hallows Day, and All Saints Day. So All Hallows Eve initially wasn't really all that celebrated. It was basically people would hold vigils. And vigils mean you would stay up late into the night and pray and have candles in front of you. Just be wakeful. But then Irish peasants started to come up with this idea. They're like, well, we got a day for a day for those in purgatory and for heaven. What about in hell? So, <laughs> <laughs> love the accent. That's yeah. awesome. So it started with they would go around on that day banging pots so souls in hell wouldn't cause mischief, and then <laughs> you stay down there. <laughs> yep, children would then go around during all hollow tide collecting souls cakes in exchange for prayers from the dead. This practice was called souling and maybe the origin of trick or treating. And one theory was, is that when churches couldn't display like relics of saints during this time, they would just let parishioners dress up as the dead saints instead. And that may have been the origin of dressing up for Halloween. Huh. Now, now, many Europeans believe that on Halloween, souls of the departed wandered the earth until All Saints Day. And Halloween was their last day to get revenge for something that happened in their life. Maybe they were angry at someone. So people would wear masks to hide their identities from these angry, avenging ghouls. Wow. Now, this, it gets a little more complicated. So there's one other celebration that sort of gets added to that. And that's something known as the dance macabre. This is where all the spooky stuff comes in. So 14th century, Europe has the Black Death third of the population dies and people start to make artwork of these skeletons dancing around and celebrating and this became an idea of memento mori keeping remember you're mortal so people mm. would wear dress up as corpses and party during the middle ages on all souls day so you got the dance macabre mixed with all the other stuff and then <laughs> you have stuff like guy fox day and on November the 5th, which I can't really get into that, but basically if you've seen V for Vendetta, they burned this Catholic guy who tried to overthrow the English government. And now every 5th of November, they burn like effigies of him and people go around causing mischief. <laughs> that is so wild. <laughs> yep. So, but when Protestants see All Hollow Tide and All Saints Day, some of them like it, some of them don't. Calvinists in particular didn't like it because they didn't like the doctrine of purgatory. And, but when all of these immigrants came to the United States, you got Irish, you know, French and other people, all of these traditions start to mix together. And in the early 20th century, Halloween was known as the mischievous nights where teen would put on masks and cause problems and do pranks. In and fact, during the, yeah, 
In fact, in 1933, they call it the year of Black Halloween because Great Depression kids caused so much damage on the streets. <laughs> oh, so, man. So as a result, all the big businesses got together and be like, well, we got to change this. So they started to hold Halloween parties in costume contexts, and stores began selling decorations. And soon, spooky, yeah, spookiness became big business. And in the 1930s, the term trick-or-treat first emerged. And this seemed to emerge from people and businesses saying, uh, we'll give you treats if please don't you know, cause destruction. Ah. <laughs> so then candy companies got a hold of it. And we get modern Halloween. So just to give my overall thoughts on it, I think a lot of the reason I think why the reaction to Halloween became so bad among Protestants, I'd argue was more anti-Catholic than actual anything to do with, you know, Satan or paganism or anything like that. It's a okay. fact, here's this Catholic celebration that we don't really understand. It seems kind of weird. And we don't like Catholics very much. Americans have a long history of not liking Catholic immigrants, even mm -hmm. to this day, although it's kind of changed a little bit to Muslim immigrants. But so you have that element. But I think Halloween is really a time to sort of remember the people who have, you know, been lost, but also to remember, you know, the afterlife as well. Now, and I think Adventists in particular, and Curse, you can detest to this, Adventists don't like the idea of there being any spirits at all or any sort of like afterlife until the resurrection, right? Yeah, because uh, to, to bring everybody up to speed, um, Adventists believe in um, kind of death as a temporary state for like believers, wherein mm -hmm. like they're all quote unquote asleep and they can't communicate with anybody until yeah. they're resurrected on like the second coming of Jesus. Yeah. So that means that, oh, if there are spirits that are lurking around, that means that kind of subverts our own beliefs. So we can't endorse that. Yeah. And I think like this sort of holiday, like obviously like there's the Sawin aspect of it, which is interesting. I think it is in many ways a very like traditionally Christian holiday because it's all about, you know, remembering both those who have gone before you and remembering the dead, remembering your mortal and that's all, you know, interesting and good things to do. And I think in particular, you know, these ideas of like the dead being able to mess around with people, that's actually, you know, pretty early on in human history. We even see a little bit of that in the Bible, because like the reason why Jesus stays dead for three days in the Bible is that they had this belief that for three days, the spirit would sort of wander around the body. And uh -oh. if it came back to life within that time, like the spirit could sort of re-inhabit the body before it ultimately got banished to uh, Sheol for a bit, either the good or the bad half of Sheol. And there's also the fact that when uh, Saul in the Bible summons the spirit of Samuel, now Amnes will always say it's a demon, but there's nothing in the text to suggest that. There's nothing in the That's text that doesn't suggest that it's Samuel. So I just think what I like about Halloween is just, this idea of both remembrance and also, you know, thinking about the life after death and just also the nice food and the candy and all that stuff. So that's my, that's my long <laughs> spiel. That was an ex excellent spiel, Brad. Yes. Um, Thank you. <laughs> I really liked your mention that it was like kind of almost like a fight against the, we said the Catholics, the Protestants yeah. were like, yeah. Cause that's, yeah. we see that a lot in a lot of like the traditions um, I've even heard that uh, Protestants uncover their head in the sanctuary because the Jews cover their head in the sanctuary. Yeah. It's yeah. interesting. We do a lot of things to combat other yeah, traditions. Just to be different. 
just to be yeah. different. Yep. Yep. Definitely. So Abby, Abby, what do you think about all this history? What's your reaction to all this? Yeah, I feel like there's, it's so interesting how much holidays and religion like really melt together to just be like, oh, well they do it this way. So we need to add this, or we need to celebrate in this way at the same time. Um, it's very fascinating. We had a teacher in high school, um, our English teacher would yep. take every Halloween to be like, remember, this is not Halloween. It's all Saints Day. Um, and I'm wondering now how much of that was like the Protestant history of him being like, now look, other people celebrate this, but we need to remember that this is about the saints. And I think um, one of the things that really stuck out to me with Memento Mori, like, remember you will die or remember you are mortal it's fascinating to see how Christians use that to be like, remember, that means we need to be thinking about our death and our resurrection. And with soul that. winning. Yeah, with our souls and mm -hmm. heaven. Whereas other people will think of, remember you are mortal to really mean live life to your fullest. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's interesting to me that Halloween is during Scorpio season, which is a season of mystery, death, life, sex and all of these things where it's about death but not to remember that we won't exist but to remember that while we exist we want to live life to the fullest we want to have that mystery and I think part of that is like this season of death with the trees losing their leaves with everything kind of dying for the winter um, I think it's an interesting placement for a holiday that celebrates that death that changing of the seasons and it happens every year as a reminder that we are mortal and the seasons do change. And so I think it's all a lot of fascinating history wrapped up into that week of, <laughs> you know, October 31st to November 5th and whichever pieces of that the holidays land. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that idea of kind of taking a dark subject matter or like maybe even like a quote unquote scary subject matter and like finding like the lights in within that that's like might not be hiding in it but like kind of is being obscured by like oh our beliefs about certain subject matter in halloween like oh yeah like ghosts and stuff but like what does that actually tell us about like the human condition yeah and like how yeah. we have hope for different reasons all of us um that our lives mean something and that we believe that there is good to be had within even the subject of death. Mm -hmm. I was I was just going to bring up real quick to add on to Abby's point. Memento Mori is a really interesting concept because you see it, you know, weaving throughout like the dance macabre because a lot of people want to celebrate after the Black Death, but you also see it in sort of one of my favorite, you know, books of the Old Testament, Ecclesiastes, because Ecclesiastes is all about life is a vapor, you can't really grasp it, and death is mysterious, so just enjoy it. Enjoy it while you can, and whatever comes after comes after. Yeah, so I've depressed always Solomon. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, best Solomon. <laughs> let me. Um, I want to actually direct this toward um Abby, but I'd like to hear the others' opinions too. Um, Abby, were you raised um evangelical as well? Yes. Okay. So in that, so starting out on like in your own adult life is there anything any traditions you want to bring into your individual family or group of people that surround halloween and how would that be different from how you were raised yeah um i think 
being raised where we just kind of completely ignored it or just brought it back to religion and the thought of salvation and all of that. Um, A, I don't want to ignore the fact that we are all going to die or that you, you know, my family believes that because I don't have the same beliefs as them, that we're not going to the same place after I choose to live in the mystery of like, I don't know what's going to happen. And I'm not vain enough to say that my opinions of it are fact while yours are not. And so um, I really like to take this time of year to remember that I've done like a couple more rituals, usually more with the full moon and then celebrations around um, sewing and Beltane in the spring. Um, I tend to bring in rituals from, um, I'm trying to think, I do a lot more cooking. I think that like eating seasonally and bringing in like the harvest at this time of year for like delicious soups and things like that when the winter starts coming in. Harnessing that energy almost. Yeah. Um, and really living with the seasons has become something that like I have rejected the idea that is all about your salvation and we are born again and we are living in order to get to heaven one day. I really try to be in a state of mind where I am living because I am living and what I do I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. I don't know. I like living more with the seasons and with the earth. I think that like the only thing that we do know is that we are on this earth here right now. And so living for that afterlife, when we don't know what that is, seems pointless to me when we have the chance to live with the earth that we were brought to. And so I think I try to take holidays like this to remember all of that and reconnect with the earth and with like the thin veil between what may lie next, which is really just a shroud of mystery to us right now. Again, with that Scorpio season, I'm also a Scorpio. So like, <laughs> I don't know how much I actually believe about astrology, but I do feel this time of year, a lot more mystery surrounding everything. And I think that I just live in the beauty of that mystery instead of trying to solve it because the way that I was taught to solve it was very patriarchal and had a lot of ties to um, white supremacy. And not everyone who lives in that sees that, but I think there's a lot of deconstructing there of why we believe these things and the fear that it has led to about ghosts and spirits mm -hmm. and witches um so yeah it's a long-winded answer to that anyone else have thoughts I love that thank you for sharing that like you yep. you just you just destroyed that yes and also <laughs> I love how you keep using deconstruction because that's our podcast title and so I think it's, it's wonderful yes. after all. way to be yes <laughs> we're all yeah. in some we're all in some process of deconstructing oh yeah yeah I was um uh... The thought I had about that is a really, really interesting experience you've had, Abby. And I think a lot of us have gone through something like that, having to unlearn and deconstruct. And we all end up in different places. Some of us end up, you know, within Wiccan. Others end up within, you know, some poor Christianity like I did. And I think one reason why there's sort of this idea where, oh, you know, you just got to live for heaven, live for heaven is because that I think has a lot to do with sort of a latent Gnosticism within America and Western tradition in general. Mm -hmm. Expand on that. 
So Gnosticism, very, very complicated idea, but basically it's the idea is this world, the flesh, completely evil, absolutely evil. The thing you need to do is just reject it and get to the other world, the spirit, the, the world of spiritual excellence or whatever. And that's not really the traditional earliest approach within either Judaism or Christianity. The earliest approach was that this is all sort of a continuum and the afterlife is just part of that continuum. Oh, okay. And it's, it's, it's not this idea of like you get, you get rid of your flesh suit or whatever. It's the idea of no, the flesh suit is sort of renewed into an even greater you know, form than it originally was. So, and yeah, and I think like um, just living, living life to the fullest and ghost, I think those are two interesting signs of the same mystery. And there's this one quote I found, and I feel like it might be a C.S. Lewis quote, but it might be G.A.K. Chester who can quote it. basically says, we're not scared of ghosts because of what they might do to us. We're scared of them because they're different, that their mm -hmm. existence is such a mystery to us that they're different and they're weird. But I think, you know, this could lead to, for me personally, how I'm going to lead into this with my family is that obviously I want to like so just celebrate Halloween, celebrate the change of the Syrians, but also celebrate like, you know, both the mystery of what happens afterwards and the assuredness in some ways of what happens afterwards, at least for me personally, but also just sort of celebrate the weirdities of this world. Like, yeah. Like, I was reading this, uh, again, G.K. Chesterton, who pointed out that people who see ghosts aren't necessarily, like, the smart people. It's always, like, you know, people who are simple and practical. But they'll see these things as almost like there's this something that they don't understand. And they don't, they're not going to try to explain it, but it happened to them. That's why I'm inclined to, like, you know, believe that maybe not necessarily there's a personality detached to the ghost. I'm not sure if I'm there yet. There's definitely energies left over. Either okay. through, you know, emotions or things like that. But Del, what you, I'll let you take. I'll let you talk. I've talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that perspective. That's very interesting. I um, I think that because you mentioned energies, I think that were left over. You said, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there. I think um, there's often like a mis a misunderstanding between ghosts and demons, and there's also like different opinions about what that is and yeah. it's the same thing if they're different and so i'm interested to see to hear what y'all think about that the difference between like ghosts and ghosts demons. ghosts and demons yeah like if at, there like... if there is one <laughs> <laughs> is there one? <laughs> i mean i'll take that unless abby if you want to say something first no go ahead okay so ghosts i feel are more just leftover energy either by some sort of emotion that was left behind a space and here's an example i can give so let's say sometimes you just go into someone else's house and you just are sort of notice you're like this is kind of a sad place or this is a chaotic place you sort of get this sense you know almost this like yeah. sixth sense so i think and sometimes when you go into places that have been abandoned you know left behind sometimes you'll get a sense of like oh this place is kind of sad or this place seems kind of cool, kind of interesting. Example I give of that is me and Curtis, we visited a cemetery recently. And this cemetery is actually two cemeteries. There's a Confederate cemetery, and then there's a black cemetery right across the street from it, a segregated oh, wow. one. Wow. Yeah. And it's literally well, still segregated. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And people and are still buried on both sides. Like, yeah. Like segregated the same way they were originally? 
Yeah. So what wow. this region was is this cemetery was made in 1871 in Kentucky, and they set up like one side for the old Confederates and one side and part and the Confederate side was also just white people in the state. And eventually they'd add Jewish people on the other side, like across the street was the black cemetery, which was segregated. And it's still they're both are still used. Obviously, the Confederate one side isn't, but the white side and the black side are still used. I think that's probably just because if your family's there, you want to be buried there. But yeah. anyway, yeah. so the energy. So at the Confederate side, I know it's like a lot more forgotten, a lot more just kind of sad and weird and interesting. And yeah, the al- black, almost like a hollowed out feeling. Yeah. But on the African-American side, you can see people really tried to make the graves like look nice. They were setting up like little little uh, fans and little decorations, even at the graves that were unmarked or only had, you know, a wooden cross. So that side, it was a lot of like love and like dedication, this idea of like, we won't be forgotten, you know, and we're not going to let our loved ones be forgotten, even if, you know, those people right now over there would rather us be forgotten, you know. Wow. So and. To demons, I would just say, like, demons, I'd say, are far more malevolent than yeah. ghosts. And demons, I don't, I'm not necessarily sure if demons, like, inhabit spaces. I feel they more inhabit people and stuff. Interesting. Because we've all, we've all met those people who are just, like, legitimately, like, horrendous and don't seem to have any sense of empathy at all. And I'm not saying it's demonic possession, but I'm not saying that there might not be some influence. <laughs> oh, no. so, yeah, and, and... Go ahead, Chris. Oh, oh thanks. Um, <laughs> and adding on to that, Dell, I don't know if you'll remember this, but um, in one of our undergrad courses, we were actually talking about, like, mental health and demonology. Mm. And... Um, Going into the class, I was like, okay, are they just going to do some, like, conservative, like, BS about, like, oh, yeah, like, it's all demons or whatever. But, no, they Mm -hmm. actually had a really interesting um, thought that I I think I actually agree with. And that is, like, the difference between, like, a mental health disorder and a demon is, like, if someone is, like, possessed with a demon and they're saying things that they either shouldn't be able to know or that they're Mm -hmm. offering some kind of extra information, like, that's not schizophrenia. Right. Schizophrenia is a completely different thing. Um, so if they offer like that weird, like almost like shift to themselves, then that is closer aligned to like at least the biblical Christian definition of a demon possession. Mm -hmm. So in regards to energy, how would you correct an an energy that you no longer desire? So like if, if there's like a sad energy you mentioned, how would you correct that to remove that sorrow from that place? And maybe you can't with like a cemetery, but like, what if it's in your home and you want to change that? I think you really have to surround yourself with positive things, like either, you know, surround yourself with like family photos or really try to make an active effort to make the place a a fun place. Like Mm. me, when me and Katie, when my wife, we moved into our current house, we're like, we can tell this was a fun place. So we are already at a fun place. And sometimes you can't, you know, correct it and you just have to move out. Like, my first apartment was just, there was lots of people fighting around me a lot. It was kind of dark all the time. Like, you know, my, uh, my uh, mother-in-law came over to visit quite often and she's a uh, kind of an, a horrendous person. Just <laughs> not to get too much into that, but that place we just had to, you know, move away. Bad vibes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I don't really, sometimes you just have to get out, get out of there. Right. Okay. Thank you. I, I appreciate that insight. No problem. Yeah, it reminds me of the quote that like 
Martin Luther King said, where it's like, hate can't drive out hate, only love can do that. I wonder if that's how like this emotional energy works with like within a space. And yeah. like you have to you have to fill it with a different energy and almost like almost like flood it with that new energy so that it kind of washes it clean. Mm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And uh, I wanted to go back a little bit to what we were discussing earlier, um, where Del, you posited the question, um, how we think of Halloween and like our families and like kind of considering like the Christian angle of it and um, the idea of like living for the afterlife instead of like living for this, this world. Um, and I think that a lot of people get caught up with that because they don't want to deal with problems that they see right in front of them. Mm. Cause like mm. I have, I have heard, and I'm sure Brad, you've heard similar arguments before where like, well, I mean, why would we have to worry about climate change? This world is going to be gone in like a decade mm. or, or so. Like, why do we yeah. have to worry? Why do we have to worry about politics? Even though I voted for Trump, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I didn't vote for Trump, but uh, that was, that was an example. Um, yeah. Um, and uh, just to uh, and me and Del will talk about this in later episodes like I am politically a liberal so that's just how it is um, you can unsubscribe if you like <laughs> I, I will I will be sad to see you go but not too sad oh um, it's okay <laughs> but aside from even politics like people are just like I don't want to deal with the here and now so I'm going to mm. think of the afterlife yeah there's a there's a concept that I've seen a lot come up in deconstructing spaces with spiritual bypassing, where um, that's the term they've coined for like people having a really hard time or having someone pass in their family or something that they don't want to deal with. And instead of actually dealing with the emotions that are there, they're like, well, I'm just supposed to bring it to God and then it's better. And then I've seen a lot of people get very confused with mental health, anxiety, depression, or other things in their life where they're like, well, I gave it to God. Why am I still wrestling with it? And it's because people use religion to do the spiritual bypassing and not actually process the things that are happening in their lives because they're like, oh, someone died. Well, I just need to pray about it. Oh, that's not helping me. I just need to pray harder. And I've seen a lot of Christians get very frustrated with um, lingering depression or other things like that because they're like I have I have my salvation why should I feel anything other than joy why should I get upset about climate change the big things in the world because the only thing that's supposed to matter is your salvation and so that spiritual bypassing of large things that happen in life I think is a part of that Curtis yeah yeah. And if I could just add to that, um, if that's all good, please um, do. So I think a lot of what happens with that spiritual bypassing coming at it from a, you know, somewhat Christian perspective is that a lot of times people will just sort of want to either put a bandaid on it or again, back to that whole, you know, dichotomy of like, oh, well, heaven is the only thing that matters. But you don't really see that within, you know, the Bible. I mean, you, you could kind of see it, but mm-hmm. a lot of times it's more, you know, like, for example, one of the great verses, Jesus wept, you know, because someone had died, even though, you know, in the story he and he was going to, you know, bring him back. He still wept anyway. And I think, you know, 
a lot of times what happens is people will treat you know mental issues as if they're this as if they're not like illnesses they'll treat them like oh it's just something i have to get over where it's like no like this is something that's like you know an illness that can be brought on by many things and has to be treated like one you know you wouldn't you wouldn't you know get mad at someone if they broke their leg and be like oh i just need yeah. to pray harder you know the same sort of thing yeah, no, that, 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 that's a great point, um, because when we get into that mentality, it's like, oh, man, like I. Why am I struggling? And it goes counter to like at least what I think um, God is actually like, at least in my in my reference of them, um, mm -hmm. because they literally said, come, let us reason together in Isaiah. Yeah. Like, I think yeah. that. I think that the God that exists is a practical one and one that says, hey, I literally designed your mind to function in a certain way and to seek help when it is hurting. Mm -hmm. I didn't design it to just come pining to me to wave a magic wand and just get rid of it. Yeah, you're, you're a more you're a more delicate, almost like um, elegant creature than that. You're not just a machine mm. that like Ex should expect to be fixed by the toy maker mm -hmm. yeah and that's kind of what a lot of the older religions thought of it like the egyptians like they thought of it more as like you know our gods we can kind of use them to get what we want if we sort of manipulate them a certain way and like pinatas yeah yeah that's that's basically what idols were they were little uh totems you would carry around so you could sort of contain the power of the god within that Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, I think that in a lot of ways, we still do that kind of carry little gods inside, not necessarily like totems, but like little, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Little things that we carry around with us in our heads or in our hearts that we worship in a sense. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Del, I wanted to get into a little bit of like some more of your backstory with all of this. Okay. Um, you've told me in the past that like, um part of your family has a history with like the the supernatural let's say a bit, a bit yeah <laughs> so what what can you what are you willing to tell us about all that okay so um i have a very large family huge um so large that there's no way you could figure out who this is about so i'll just tell it tell a story without fear <laughs> that you're gonna figure out who this is. <laughs> um so i uh again come from a large family and we're a very close family. And so growing up, I often would spend time at various relatives' house. I mentioned earlier that my dad was in the service. And so often we didn't live at my home. We lived in different relatives' homes. Even though we had a home to go to, it just it was more fun, I guess, to travel the country. And well, so, yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. And so I always noticed uh, a different energy, like mentioned energy earlier, at this mm -hmm. one particular place and it was um, a couple of family members lived on the same piece of property is about 160 acres of land and it stretched like in our history it stretched back I think a couple hundred years that we've been on that land I'm not sure exactly Ooh. how long but I do know that at one point in time there's a lot of seances that happen on that property and that's important oh, wow. I know that's important for later that's why I mentioned that and not just like seances, like just in the sense of like 
um, rituals. It was seances specifically to call forth demons. That was the point of them and not to call forth like ghosts, like specifically mm -hmm. demons. And um, so they were specifically trying to be evil. Specifically. Yes. Um, I don't know what purpose, because this is all I, ha I heard this from from my um, relatives told me this and they heard it from their relatives back in t to the day it happened. So it's a little bit muddy as to exactly what the purpose was. But growing up, I always had some like weird experiences there, just like really bad dreams was mostly what it was, which is common, bad dreams. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a big deal to me. But when I was in high school, um, well, no, that's not true. When I was when I was a little kid, I would see people who weren't actually there. And it wasn't just me, my my sibling and my cousins would see them too. And to this day, we're not sure if it was an intruder or if they were people in our home or around our home. But so you actually like felt a presence there? Felt a presence and saw beings. <laughs> and I'll get to that in a minute. Oh, no. I The one I saw as a child, the, saw him, I guess we saw him a couple of times. I don't remember specifically seeing him. I remember the feeling I had after I saw him and like the panic that me and my sibling were experiencing. But I don't remember the actual like episodic memory of seeing him. However, I am told he was like dressed in all black. And I know that there is a specific spirit, demon, ghost, whatever it is that many relatives of mine have seen dressed in all black. And wow. I've heard from them that typically demons, ghosts, spirits like to stay within a family. And so if you, like, for example, if you have a grandfather who's harassed by a certain spirit, when he passes, likely that spirit will come find someone else within that family. Now, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. That's just what I've been told by my family. So when I was about 16, I was going through a really hard time. My parents were going through a rough point in their relationship, which often is a trigger for these things to happen. And I felt a presence in my room and I felt it like my bed, you know, when someone sits down next to you on a bed, how it like concaves. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So mm -hmm. I felt that next to me and then I felt uh, it breathe on my that neck. That is terrible. Oh boy. It's terrifying, oh boy. right? And I felt it breathe Jeez. on my neck and I was like, oh my God, like, what is that? I thought it was my mother at first. And at some point I was like, that's not my mom. <laughs> and then, um, it just went away. And I kept trying to convince myself I was asleep. I was like, no, I was probably just a dream. I was probably just falling asleep. And like, I slipped into like a dream state and then came back out of it. Well, it happened again a couple of years later. And then it happened again when I was 19. But this time it was, it was 3 a.m. Typical witching hour. <laughs> it was 3 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, I woke up at 3 a.m. And my dogs, a few hours before I'd woken up, they'd gotten me up and asked to go outside. And which they do sometimes. But what was interesting was they were scared and that wasn't typical. Usually when they're scared, they want to be inside and then they wouldn't come in my home for several days. And so anyway, back to, back to that mm. night, I woke up at 3am again after the dogs were out and I, my entire right side of my body was like, felt like it was like asleep. Like I'd laid on it. It was my entire right mm. side. It was tingling and I could feel myself like being pulled off my bed. Like someone was like pulling me physically and, um, oh boy. And it hurt. It hurt really, really bad. Oh, wow. And so I started praying and um, I opened my eyes and I could see this dark, like tall, thin figure in my doorway. And it was, you couldn't like had no features. It was just like a figure. 
Oh man. And it had its arms stretched forward. And have you ever seen like a lightsaber, like from Star Wars? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So there were things coming off of its hands onto me that were colored like that, but they weren't like oh. straight. They were like wiggly, like they could move like a worm. Oh. They were oh, attached geez. to my limbs. Yeah. And they were attached <gasps> to my limbs and they were pulling me off my bed. That was what the, the feeling was. And I remember I was praying and I was like, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, I'm dreaming, but it hurts so bad. And I turned my head, like, like turned my, to my left side to get away from it. And I couldn't move. I was like frozen on my bed, except for my leg was almost off my bed because it was pulling me. And I just, I felt this like inward voice almost. And it wasn't audible, but it was just like very clear. And it just said, it has to fight for your soul. That's all it said. And it just said, just hang on and it'll fight for your soul. But you have to pick if you're going to let it take your soul or not. (laughs) I know. So um, after that, it subsided finally. And it subsided right as I got desperate. As soon as I got desperate, it went away. And I was 19. And every time my entire life I'd I'd seen this figure or seen like a figure, I just kind of like gone back to bed. But at 19 years old, I sat up and I was like, I'm awake. Like that, that just like that really happened. Like I'm wide awake. Like I know that wasn't a dream. And so I got up and went to my mom's room and she was like, what's wrong with you? You're 19. Why are you sleeping here? I was like, don't ask questions. I'm going to bed here. I slept (laughs) in there for a few nights. It was terrifying. Um, But so nothing. So after that, I would get sleep paralysis a couple of times or what mm. I thought was sleep paralysis. I don't think it actually is today, but I thought it was after that. And it would always happen. I'd wake up and I would either be angry or I'd be afraid. And I immediately I couldn't move on my bed. I was always on my back and mm. it would only last a few seconds, but it hurt really bad. Um, my whole body would just like, I don't know how to describe it. It's just like a deep pain. It feels like your nerves are on fire, wow. but this past wow. summer, I was staying at on the land um, where the demons had been summoned so many years ago. Oh, and no. I know. And I have a lot of relatives, both living and deceased, who have either been to this property or live on that property or live on this property. And they all, um, not all, some of them have practiced witchcraft or have described um, various instances where they have experienced like extreme demonic stuff and a lot of them are are deceased like i mentioned but Mm -hmm. that that's the history of this land and so we had sold off the property in which a lot of the the stuff had happened and after that it got better but this particular night i um, was staying in a room I, i stay in often and i woke up around i've probably been asleep 15 minutes it was early in the night it was i think 11 p.m and um, I woke up from a, from a dream and I was mad. I woke up, I was angry. And as soon as I got angry, I was thought, you know, I don't usually get angry like this. I wonder if I'm experiencing like some sort of like imbalance in like my spiritual walk. Energy? energy. Yeah, energy, right? Yeah. As soon as I thought that, I got scared. As soon as I got scared, I couldn't move again. Like I, I completely mm. like that feeling. But this time it was much, much worse. And I started to hear a rattling noise on the side of my head and the whole bed started to shake. Like the whole, like someone was actually rocking it. And I know, again, I started to pray and pray and nothing happened. As soon as I got desperate, it stopped. And so I got out of bed. I went downstairs and I called 
I called like three people who didn't answer. I called my boyfriend at the time who did answer and got mad at me. <laughs> so I just hung up. <laughs> That's why he's no longer with us. <laughs> One of the reasons. <laughs> and then I called my mother who didn't answer. I called my father who didn't answer. And then I called my stepdad who didn't answer. And I called all of them again, which I know usually I handle things on my own, but I was petrified. I was terrified. Yeah. So no I called kidding. all of I them. Imagine. And I know, right? Finally, my stepdad answered and he was like, what's going on? I was like, well, nothing really, but it's just happened. And I just need like you to like, like reassure me and like pray that I'll be like, just find peace. And as I'm saying this, I can hear something moving upstairs. And I was like, oh. and my grandparents who I was close with were, were also not answering. And so it was, I was, oh, I was just, I was freaking out. So anyway, after all of that had occurred, I, um, the next night I went to bed in the same bed. I don't know how I did it. When I sat <laughs> down on the bed, the headboard hit the wall. And I realized the noise I'd heard was the headboard hitting the wall because it was rattling so hard. And that was like, but it was like, it was hitting like really, really, really fast. And so that that's like confirmed in my mind that the bed was shaking. I wasn't just like making it up. Uh, yeah. The noise was. Oh, uh, so know. many chills. So I would have just slept outside. Jeez. Well, <laughs> <laughs> the next couple of nights, I would get like into bed and like wait until the house was quiet and then go downstairs and sleep in the living room because I just couldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. Man. Yeah. And so that was my most recent experience. And that's kind of what like solidified in my mind because I mentioned I think that spirits and demons are different, like ghosts mm-hmm. and demons. I think demons are real and I think ghosts are real. But I don't think they're the same thing. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's yeah, my low- experience to answer your question. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Crazy. So Brad and Abby, I want both of your both of your reactions to that because I've heard bits and pieces of that through the years. Like it's it's crazy to hear it all at once, but right. I want to hear you all's experiences. Brad, you go first. Okay. Yeah. Um, that definitely sounds like something malevolent, and also something malevolent happened within that bedroom specifically yeah, right yeah it, it really makes me think of like you know some sort of you know i hate to use this term but some sort of like awful sexual violence or something happened in that bedroom yeah like, that's the idea you should say that because i actually know of a few things that happened in that bedroom but i'm not going to say i'm on the podcast but when yeah recording, i can say <laughs> okay. we, we get yeah. the, we get Jeez. the idea though yeah yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah that's that definitely sounds like something bad was there and it specifically targeted you because you were in that room just crazy right yeah that is nuts but yeah abby what about you (laughs) yeah um that's so that's so interesting i think like it it really feels like that spirit is following your ancestry somehow Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, something bad definitely happened in that bedroom. Um, I wonder like if you'll ever have an encounter with it again, or if there is something that could be done to appease that spirit or like, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder like when things like that happen, like, okay, how can you ensure that like, the presence has been acknowledged and like it can let go of whatever it's stuck on in that room or in your ancestry um but I don't know what that would be what a what a wild experience yeah yeah Yeah, that's a part of the reason why I was asking like how do you rid yourself of that energy 
because I don't I don't want to experience that again. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> maybe maybe you like you know try a few different things. Like uh, first let's try you know p or like maybe maybe you leave something out and then maybe like call in different like experts like call in an exorcist or something. <laughs> <laughs> there- there's a book, I haven't read it, but I know one of the stories from it called It Didn't Start With You, and it's about family trauma. Yeah. Um, and one of the stories in it is a 19-year-old boy who is waking up in the middle of the night, um, freezing cold. And like um, every like he'd wake up with these nightmares constantly where he was like freezing cold and he didn't understand what it was. And he learned after sharing that with his family that he had had a family member freeze to death at 19 years old. Wow. And so wow. there are things that like get stuck in that family ancestry that like once it's been acknowledged, you have to find a way to release it. I don't know what he did, but I know that that book spoke about it a bit um, about how sometimes wild things like that can happen right that's stuck maybe in our dna or something i think it's something that people are really trying to figure out because stuff like this happens and it's not something that you want to have continue happen something in our biology remembers this yeah our dna knows stories that we don't of our ancestry brad it's our midichlorian count (laughs) yeah it's the midichlorians (laughs) Yeah, I'd just say that's just an example of like how much more mysterious the world is than we like to admit. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I remember reading something that said like the thing about this world that's interesting is not the fact that the sky is blue, but but the fact it isn't red. You know, it's this is yeah. a weird world we live in. Yeah. You know? Like why why is it the way it is? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Abby, I have a question for you. Go for it. Since I think I think of all of us, you have the most different beliefs. <laughs> um, just judging by what we've talked about exclusively in this podcast. Yeah. So do you think, like, let's let's go ahead and diagnose Abby's case. Or uh, Dell's case. My apologies. <laughs> um, do you think that she was dealing with exclusively evil forces? Or do you think she was more dealing with, like, upset forces? Oh, that's an interesting question. Because I know that I know Dell like really well, and she's not going to be offended no matter what you answer. Not at all. Hmm. Abby is gestating on it. I yeah. The that's, gears that's are turning. A really, that's an interesting question. I I don't know. I think I personally am trying to figure out what I believe about like ghosts versus demons. So I don't even know if I have. Mm-hmm. an answer for what? that i know that there are okay. upset energies in our world i do believe that there are like evil like there is an evil presence that comes with certain things but i don't necessarily know what i believe about that if there are present like if there are beings or spirits that exist that are like pure evil um because it seems like in our universe a lot of the things that are evil it stems from something that went wrong there's a cause yeah there's a cause there's something that upset it and that's not necessarily true of everything in our universe like natural disasters and things like that happen but usually there is a root cause to the evil and so i guess it would be interesting to explore more about like 
what that family history is with that room and them bringing like doing seances with demons and things like that. Um, maybe it was pure evil, um, but maybe it is something that is angry because it needs appeasing. Mm, interesting. Yeah. And I think that believing that it has that gives you more power to release it than having something that's pure evil. So I'd like to think there's something to do about it because it's nice to pretend like we have some control in this universe. <laughs> right. That yeah. is totally fair. <laughs> so Del, um, from your perspective, like when you were like feeling all of this, um, you said like it felt like straight evil to you personally, right? Okay, so yes. And I think the reason for that is, is every time that I've ever experienced it, I was going through a major life change or mm. making a major life decision, like what should I do? So I hadn't actually made the change I was about to. And yeah. I think that every time, because every time it happened, it seemed like it was trying to stop me from making that decision. And I get this like eerie feeling that it was like trying to get control over me in my life. And that's why I think it was pure evil. It was like this, like, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just like this feeling of like absolute horrible dread and um, fear. Like, like I don't have any control and I, I'm a, I don't like being controlled. That's one of my least favorite. I hate being controlled. And it's like, I feel like completely helpless. And um, I've experienced like weird things with spirits that aren't creepy like that but that one was like very very creepy and so were the other two experiences I mentioned like very creepy it's interesting so, yeah. that it always comes to you at a time where you're feeling indecisive about something major yes yeah yeah um the first two times I was trying to I was part of a a group of friends who were part of a religious the seventh-day adventist church actually but not to rag on that specific <laughs> church but and they were trying desperately to get me to be an adventist and i wasn't raised seventh-day adventist i was raised around them and my dad was an adventist but i wasn't raised seventh-day adventist and so i was just like no i don't want to do that and it was like at this time like should i maybe maybe i shouldn't and whenever i decided not to that's when it would happen. It was like, it was trying to get me to like change, like, cause I, cause in order to become an Adventist, I had to change a lot of who I was and a lot of my mm, culture. I grew up in Germany where like, it's like this, like big, uh, you drink beer and you have this like, um, festivals and all this stuff and Adventists, like you can't dance, you can't drink, you can't do a lot of things that are rooted in my culture. And I had to change like the very like foundation of who I was in order to be an Adventist. And I think that that was the first two times this past time was actually changing um my career path a little bit and also terminating that relationship I mentioned with that because it was a long-term relationship and it was just it was a very difficult decision but it was not a very good relationship it was actually a really bad relationship <laughs> so I think that um that fear and I just decided to do it when it happened and it was almost like trying to prevent me from doing that because I think I lost a lot of myself in that place because when you can't feel comfortable being 100% who you are you can never accomplish what your your that season of life that you are in what that you're supposed to accomplish in that season if you are not able to be a hundred percent who you are mm -hmm. I think and so with, with this person I couldn't be who I was and I wasn't accomplished I was like going in circles and I had so much I wanted to do in that season and being prevented from that was 
that relationship with preventing me. And I think terminating that when I made that decision, it was like, oh, well, now I can finally do what I'm supposed to do in this place in life. And that spirit, I think, I think was saying, no, I don't want you to do what you need to do in this space in life. I want you to continue to live in this, this cage of fear. Hmm. Wow. You know, I kind of have a bit of a wild theory about that, if you don't mind me sharing. Hit me. Yeah. Give it to us. So, um, one of the ideas that sort of, you know, got passed around in the ancient times wasn't that necessarily like the Jews didn't necessarily think like the gods, the other gods weren't real. They just thought they were either malevolent or, you know, not worthy of worship or whatever. But in America, obviously, we don't have any of those lower, much of those lowercase G's because, you know, it's most, I use the term loosely, very loosely culturally Christian. I use that term extremely loosely, but... <laughs> It makes me wonder that if some of these lowercase g gods were maybe more on the bad side or sort of the fear side, what if they found a way to immigrate over to the, the new world, but all they could really survive as was to prey on people's emotions? Mm, you know, interesting. Just a, just a little theory I had. It's actually well, something that's going to come up in one of the, my projects I'm working on, it's a book, fictional book. So. Oh, nice. I like that. Yeah. And going off of that, the ancestors doing seances for evil spirits would be an easy way for those little G-gods to enter that space. Yeah. 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 Yeah, kind of taking advantage of like what the people think is one thing when then they're actually a different thing. Yeah. I think that's why it's really important to like, especially when you're setting up a home to like, not not in the fundamentalist sense, like guard what you let in. Like, I don't mean like, oh, don't let in, you know, bad books or whatever, but just <laughs> like watch what you're doing and how you treat people, you know. Sometimes sometimes that can get passed on for generations. Yeah, yeah what energy you exude. The energy you yeah. cultivate, exactly. Yeah. But that's a really cool st- and I'm not gonna say it's a cool story because it's kind of terrifying, but it's an interesting <laughs> story. <laughs> absolutely fascinating yeah um so we've talked about a lot so far um and i do want to kind of go around the table one last time before we before we part ways um and just answer the question that i posed at the beginning with a little bit of your own personal explanation based off what we talked about is halloween satan's holiday starting with brad um no, because even in, if you take it as like Samhain, which Abby, Abby, you obviously st- celebrate, that had nothing to do with, you know, Satan, had nothing to do with Judeo-Christian ideas. And like today, I mean, <laughs> its origins don't have anything to do with Satan or whatever. I mean, some people, some people like to explore that side and sometimes they might do stuff like whatever happened with Dell's house, but overall, <laughs> no. Yeah. And I also, I'll even add another question, another side point. I don't necessarily think Satan is even like the head of demons, my belief. I just, he believes he's just one of many. But, oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. And we got to have a whole podcast about that yeah, now. Like, yeah. yeah. Of, like angels again. and demons. Yeah. yeah, that'd be cool. I'll keep that in mind. Me and Del yeah. will both yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Del, you next. Oh, okay. Um, do what was the question again? 
Is Halloween Satan's holiday? Is Halloween Satan's holiday? I would say no. I would say that the um, intent that each individual person puts on a certain holiday, any holiday, Mm -hmm. is what that holiday will be dedicated for for them. And so for Halloween, it's a great time for me to put on a costume and go hang out with my friends. And that's what I do. And so for me, it's not about Satan at all. It doesn't even enter my mind. Cool. All right, I'll answer it next, then I'll let Abby go last. Great. Um, so, I mean, I think I think based off of all of our opinions, I think the listeners can see where this is going with everybody. <laughs> um, I'm going to have to go with a no there. Um, and it, it kind of circles back to, like, the historical context to what Brad was talking about. Like, modern American Halloween mm. is about, if you, let's break it into a pie chart. It's 85% American capitalism right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. it, is, uh, it is about 14% All Saints Day. And then yep. it's like 1% of like that vague Samwin spirit. Wow. Yep. Yep. At least in terms of how Americans think of Halloween, like it's mostly just, hey, like corporations can make more money based off of it. Um, mm. But uh, I think that um, what I neglected to mention in my own relationship with Halloween, the holiday is like where I am now. Um, and that I really enjoy the vibes of like late September, early to mid to late October, where like, we're kind of reflecting mm-hmm. on the year, honestly. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like once September ends, you're like, okay, the year is winding down. Like, where am I? And what can I do to further like, live in the moment and appreciate the moment so that I can be looked back on fondly by my descendants Mm. almost kind of like uh, bringing back the circle of life uh, theme uh, to Halloween. I love how you, uh, sorry. I love how you referenced both two songs there when September ends and Lion King. (laughs) (laughs) And I did both unintentionally. (laughs) Abby is Halloween Satan's holiday. Um, I think like Del said, it's about intent. Um, a lot of people just use Halloween to dress up and be someone that you're not for the evening. It's like Curtis said, 85% capitalism. <laughs> um, I think that each person celebrates this holiday in their own way. And maybe some people use it to celebrate Satan, but even the witchiest people I know that are really celebrating that thin veil between the dead and the living, I've never seen any malicious intent in that. And so in the way that most Christian people that call it Satan's holiday intend that, I don't see it celebrated like that in most circles I've ever been in. So, And I mean, you were raised in the atmosphere, so you know what positive and negative intent looks right. like. yeah. Well, thank you all for that excellent conversation. Yeah, um, I want very to. Insightful. Yes, this yeah, was a definitely. fabulous first com- conversation. Um, me and Del will be back. I'm sure we'll find some way to bring Brad and Abby back <laughs> in, <laughs> in the semi near future. Yeah. Um, get a big and, panel of people together again. Um, yeah. I want to just go around one last time and to have anybody plug anything that they're working on that they want to like put out to people. Del, so, do you have anything? It, it do me be last. Like... I gotta think of something. Okay, okay. Brad, <laughs> you, you go first, because I think I know so, what you're gonna plug. Obviously, we want to plug, you know, the podcast I'm doing with you, Curtis, the uh, Ranking Presidents podcast. And this is where 
since we talk a little about history, we go around and we talk about the presidents. We talk about, you know, how racist were they? How effective were they? And what were, what were their policies about? So we just go through and rank all the presidents. And I think we're at FDR right now. And we'll probably yep. be putting up a Patreon soon. So look forward to that. And also watch out for my book. It's going to be called Transient Souls. It's a working title. I'm working on it right now. So keep an eye that out for that. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Abby, did you want to plug any socials or any projects you're working on right now? I'm nothing that I'm working on currently, but stay tuned. I'm sure there'll be something by the next time I'm on as a guest. TBD. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll go ahead and double plug me and Brad's podcast because it is amazing and a lot of fun. And we've only gotten better with every single episode. Yeah. Um, I couldn't ask for a better uh, co-host with Brad. Brad kind of Thank takes you. point on that podcast. I take point on this podcast. So it's, we got a good like 50-50 thing going. Um, and I want to also plug my other nerdy comic book podcast called Ooh. The Court of Capes. It is on Spotify um, for everyone who wants to look it up. Um, Ranking Presidents is also on Spotify for those and who are Apple, interested. And Apple Podcast. Yeah. It's on Apple Podcast. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're on basically a lot of places. And we're also on Twitter at Presidents Rank capital pnr if anyone wants to follow us i don't follow yes. you i have to go follow you i didn't even realize yes. give us a follow um and so the court of capes podcast is basically where we take a cartoon that's based around superheroes and we watch like six to seven episodes a week and we talk about like our feelings on them um our rankings of those specific episodes and how we feel about the show as a whole each week until we finally have a big breakdown of like okay here's how the show here's how we actually feel about the show and we also do like more seasonal like reviews of marvel stuff like oh the eternals is about to come out we're gonna have like an hour-long discussion of that it'll be fun for everyone who is a big dork like me that sounds awesome why thank love you it. love it and dell you we are back to you what would you like to plug i have a few projects i've started but they're not live yet so just follow me on my social media which is at underscore a fake redhead <laughs> you heard you heard her you heard her people do yeah, it it's a underscore fake underscore redhead actually but whatever it is you'll find me <laughs> please I need don't to... follow the, the the wrong fake redhead <laughs> i need to change mine to like the real redhead to <laughs> that'd be awesome you should do that <laughs> you could be dark dell uh... yeah dark dell <laughs> <laughs> all right so um as the tradition will be from here on out I'm going to sign off with my name, then we're going to go around and everybody says their name. So me, then Dell, then Brad, then Abby. So as awesome. always, I am Curtis Cooper. And I am Delaney. And I'm Brad Cooper. And I'm Abby Faree. And this has been Deconstructing. See you next week. See you next week. Later. <laughs> <laughs>